Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fandalorian Club here on Apocalypse Movies. Um, it is the Fandalorian Club. Uh, my name is Jake, if you have not joined us before. That is Obi-Wan Jacoby, and that is Grand Al Morsino. Um, and we are here for the very first episode of The Mandalorian Season 2, titled The Marshal. Uh, and boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to discuss today. Um, a 50-plus minute episode, the longest episode of the entire series so far. And my goodness, that they, they use every possible <laughs> second um, as they as they uh, or they had, excuse me, uh, every possible second they had. Um, but yeah, so the crew's here. Jacob, uh, Brian, how's your guys' Fridays going? Good after that episode. Yeah, pretty damn good after being able to watch just any Star Wars at all, but especially this episode. Did you guys watch it uh, early this morning, or did you guys wait a little bit later in the day? I, I watched it at 6 a.m. I, I could not wait. So the guy that lives above me started making noise at like 545, and it woke my ass up, and I was like, well, since I'm already up, yeah, <laughs> I, just, I just turned it on. So yeah, I I, uh, I tried to stay up till midnight. I couldn't do it. I went to bed, and then I think my body was telling me Mando's Mando's up, Mando's up, and I was up at four o'clock. Wow! Um, and I've been up, I've been, up, and that was before an alarm went off. Um, and I've been up since four a.m. Uh, and so I'm officially been up for twelve hours already. Uh, and I've watched Mando three times already because I've been up for so long. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but I, I'm, I'm psyched. We have a lot to talk about. And I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts on this one. Um, uh, I did put together some notes and I'm going to keep putting together notes for, for these shows because it seems like if, if they stay tuned with, with this format of the episode a little longer, um, a little bit more going on, we're going to have a lot to talk about and I want to make sure we have the information down. So I want to start with just immediate, um reactions as you were watching the episode the first thing that popped in your mind uh as the episode ended um just a few sentences to kind of you know wrap up what your real thoughts were on the on the episode uh jacob i'll start with you man uh my immediate reaction was this felt like a movie that like this episode specifically felt like a movie um or it felt like a game of thrones episode just because the length which i enjoyed because i look the episodes last season they were very short and before you knew it they were just over this one was nice and long i could like settle in and just enjoy it for a long period of time and i was i was like pausing it to see how much time is left like damn there's like 30 minutes left hell yeah so i i love that experience i don't know if every episode is going to be long but i had a feeling they were going to be able to make more episodes longer because the shorter episodes probably had to do with the budget last season. And I'm assuming they loosened up the budget a little bit this time around because it was a big success. So that and the production value of the crate dragon just looks. You're, you're talking about the visuals, right? Yes. That looks so amazing for TV graphics. Just absolutely incredible so i just it felt very cinematic and that was my first reaction yeah uh i will second the dragon thing um it it looks and i, I have to go back and watch but it looks it almost looked better than the dragon in game of thrones um that's something we can kind of compare it to because it's very similar in length and, and style of show and stuff uh much larger of a creature obviously um and very much more up close at times but it was on uh, on par, if not better. Uh, Brian, what about you? 
my initial thought was, F yeah, Mando's back. And I've been waiting for this. And it's just as good as it left off, if not better. And uh, yeah, I was so like the whole entire time. It was just so good from the second it started, from the second it ended. It was just beyond what I was hoping for. And I mean, they're going to really throw Cobb Vanth right at you in the first episode. I can only imagine what we're getting from here on out. If I mean, that was like one of the big things people were like, Oh, he might be in it. And and that was the first episode. So it's like, Oh man. And yeah. And that, that 52 minutes did not feel like no 52 minutes. It felt like a, a movie's worth of time. And it was just, it was amazing. And never once was there like, okay, this part's, let's keep going. Like there was never a lull ever in the 52 minutes. And that's something this show has done since episode one. It just amazes me how we could get a 30 minute episode and you're fully engaged in it every single second of every minute. You can have a 52 minute episode. There is no downtime whatsoever in these episodes. And I think that's brilliant on their part because they're picking their time because they're going to tell their story. And that's exactly what this, this is a perfect example of it. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, we all had expectations for what, for what this opening episode was going to do. And and we didn't, we didn't know if it was just going to be like a episode to introduce us back into everything that's happening. If it was really going to kind of kick things off, uh, you know, the way that the previous season hadn't, the second the title card popped up that said the Marshall, I flipped out. I flipped <laughs> did they, out because I, I knew did, exactly. Did they release what? all the titles this time or no? No, no. Okay, they, that's what I thought. Well, no, well, the titles weren't released last time either. Um, but that was. The episode titles? I don't, I don't I think, think so. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm pretty sure that was a thing we talked about. When I watched it this morning and it said the Marshall, I was like, my mind... Yeah freaked like i instantly knew what was happening because we had been talking about Cobb Van for so long if you read the aftermath uh, interlude and the stories you know exactly what we're referring to and who he is and the kind of involvement he has in this type of story um and then i doubled down because this the the episode it started with the underworld scene at the fight club <laughs> and I completely lost my shit. Like, <laughs> I was like, I, I kept telling myself we're, we're fucking starting this way. Th- this is how we're starting yeah. the season. Like this is really happening right now. And I, I could not believe that within the first 10 minutes of the episode, we had essentially seen 95% of the trailers. Yeah, that's exactly and not just that, but the dialogue all of the dialogue had taken place during that boxing fight club thing. And I was, I, I just, I was blown away by the fact that they had essentially totally just blindfolded us and tricked us. And we had believed them again and it worked to its favor because we had seen nothing from this episode other than the first five, 10 minutes. 
And that's what the reaction is creating because it's so new. It's so fresh. Plus it's so different from what we're seeing in star Wars. But yeah, I just, I, I, my, my initial reaction is I was absolutely blown away. Like absolutely blown away. Yeah. That it's funny that you said that. Cause that was the main thing for the first 10 to 15 minutes. Oh, me too, Chuck. Uh, the first 10 to 15 minutes I went, Holy crap. Is all of the trailer going to be in the first episode? Like that's, that's really what, we're going at the whole entire trailers are in the first episode maybe no more than the second like that's insane so i wasn't surprised by that actually because that that's kind of been a trend lately in movies too and in some movies and they did they kind of did that with the first season like we didn't see much of the later episodes in the trailers for season one so I didn't expect the movie to open with that scene, but when it did, I was like, okay, that makes sense because they don't want to spoil anything. And basically all I can really remember that we haven't seen yet is really the ice um, stuff. Yeah. That. And then the other characters, um, you know, Cardoon and uh, grief Carga and grief Carga. So that we got, we're going to see them obviously show up, but I, I'm glad they did that because now we don't know what's to come. And I talked about this before. This show is so unpredictable, and I love that. Um, okay, so let's let's go and shift gears here uh, because we do have a lot to, to digest um, in our conversation. And we're going to go in chronolo- chronological order. And I've kind of broken it up by, like, scene sequence almost. And so we're going to start with that Fight Club opening. Um, this one probably won't take as long as, as previ- or the next couple. Um, but I do want to get your guys' thoughts on the opening and the character. Uh, if you guys did not know, but that the alien was played by uh, John Leguizamo. Um, that's oh, who nice. Uh, so nice little cameo there as well. Um, and obviously the biggest thing coming from this scene is is him saying, I'm searching out for more Mandalorians. And he's asking who his contact is. Um, and so, Brian, thoughts on, on this opening scene, the, the fight brawl, the you know Gamorrean guards, all that type of stuff. I mean, the the only main thought at the set time was going through my head was holy crap this is the whole entire trailer this is literally the whole entire trailer like that was the one thing that i kept going through my mind other than like excitement for it it was i was like the the scene that opened it up was him coming out of the darkness trailer walking into the pit trailer him talking to the guy trailer the the uh the wow what are the little bird things called whistling bird uh, the whistling bird trailer hanging from the light trailer i was like holy moly this like this whole thing is the trailer <laughs> like it, like jacob said they duped us into thinking like look at all of this magical goodness we've got coming for you guys this season now it's just basically the first episode and like that was the one thing that I kept going, holy cow. Like, I couldn't believe it um, because there was so much in that trailer. And to just give it all to you in the first episode blew my mind. But um, one thing I I was really kind of curious, I want to know what those red eye little demon things were in the shadows that end up. Oh, by the way, you didn't say it, but full spoilers, obviously, in this whole show. But um, when, uh, cause like he wasn't afraid of them, but he left that dude to hang up and die. 
like well, it seemed so. like he wasn't afraid because it, it seemed like they can't step out of the shadows. Well, yeah, yeah. They, that's why he took well, uh, blew out the light because they can't go into the light for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're so, like they're like vampire dogs or something. I don't know. Yeah, so that kind of caught and me. One of the best lines: "I promise you're not going to die at my hands." Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the way he played with that word, he he wasn't lying. The one thing that kept kind of popping into my head while I'm watching this is the child keeps saying more and more violence. And oh, he, right away, even with the wrestling match. Yeah, and he is not phased by it. Like, and I'm. It's now starting to pop into my head. He's going like, bad. I don't think he's going bad, but going bad. but I'm just like, dude, he's just kind of like, hey, look, people are killing each other. Like, and it's just like, okay, that's that could well, be that's curious. Well, that's the galaxy that he lives in. I know, yeah. but I'm just like, you make impressions on children. But uh, yeah. Samir. Thank you, man. Thank you for the super chat. Grateful. Uh, oh my god, that episode was fire, fire, fire. We are so not ready for what's come this season. Mm -hmm. Judging by chapter nine. Wow, is it next Friday? Yeah, the seven days <laughs> break Seriously. is gonna be awful, it's gonna be terrible. Um, Jacob, what did you think of uh, Star Wars take on Batman to open this to open the season? That's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching this. And remember the episode where, um, when he went with the crew to the prisoner. Prisoner. Yeah, the prisoner episode. We were saying he's like Batman in this because the way he was sneaking up behind people. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking this exact same thing when during that scene is, and especially when he used like the hook to grab him by the feet and tie him up. I was like, the Mandalorian, specifically <laughs> this character, is Star Wars Batman. It's like <laughs> Batman in space, and I, that's so cool. And Batman, I need a T-shirt. Batman in space with a man with the Mandalorian. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I. I just love that. And it's not like they're ripping off Batman. It's just it's just really cool because we we already know the Mandalorians have tons of gadgets and stuff on their suits and all of that. So that opening scene was one of my favorite scenes in the entire episode, if not my favorite, because the action is top notch. We don't see we're not used to hand to hand combat like that in Star Wars. It, and I, the the I scene next it. to the boxing ring where he's fighting those guys. Yeah, exactly. Wild. That's what I'm talking about. And, and it's I, like, I also loved how the Gamorrean guard tried to body slam him and it just didn't work. Yes, that was hilarious. He just moved out of the way. <laughs> yeah. like, I, did anyone else notice he kind of like leans into blaster fire now? Like he's not afraid to well, like. Because he knows it's not going to hit him. And when I know, people but, try like, to punch him, he like smacks his uh -huh. head against their fist because he knows it's going to hurt them more. Yeah, then it hurts him. It's so funny, but I think he's trying to like bounce the the blaster fire back at them or something. I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, like, he's I, not afraid to use the best car. That's for sure. Like, there's so many. There's a lot of great moments in this episode, but to me, that opening fight scene is the best. I like it. I like it. Um, all right, let's shift gears because this is where the heavy hitter stuff comes. Um, and so after the opening scene. He's obviously heading to Tatooine after he gets some information about the contact, the Mandalorian contact um, that he was searching for. And so he heads to Tatooine, and we're going to talk a little bit about his arrival on Tatooine and then the cantina scene where he officially meets Cobb Vanth, and Cobb Vanth officially makes his live-action debut in Star Wars. Um, and so he lands on Tatooine, 
and we get Amy Sedaris coming back, making a great appearance. She's great. The role is perfect for her. It's quick. It's to the point, and it totally fits the character um, and the style of character they're going for in that moment. And then the 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 big moment from this scene isn't just the layout of Tatooine, but who specifically gives the layout of Tatooine and the great cameo of one R5, R5. officially make the return um, from A New Hope, the one that uh, had a bad motivator at the beginning with Luke and Uncle Owen, um, officially makes the return, and he's been kicking ass for the last however many years, being that that wasn't A New Hope. Um, <laughs> this is five years after the Return of the Jedi, so he's still kicking strong on Tatooine doing his thing. Um, but yeah, really cool appearance there. And then the canteen scene, obviously, is where, where Mando pops in after finding out what town uh, uh, where the town is, excuse me. Um, and we see this great moment where, uh, where he finds out, you know, who Cobb Vanth is. The bartender says, well, why don't you ask him? And then, so we've got the bartender here. Uh, also really cool design of this alien. I'll, I'll say, um, super, super cool looking. Yeah. Um, I like the look of him. Cause I honestly didn't love the look of the alien in the opening scene, the one eyed one. Oh, okay. It looked kind of funky to me, but this alien looks really cool. And then uh, that leads to this moment in the reveal of Timothy Oliphant taking on the Boba <laughs> Fett armor as uh, Cobb Vanth, making his live-action debut from the after Aftermath stories. Um, and I got a couple pictures here. I'll just show him. Here he is without the helmet on, uh, you know, revealing himself not to be a Mandalorian. A great dialogue between the two of them, um, almost leading to a little bit of a gunfight, old Western style, but uh, luckily didn't end up that way. Uh, Jacob, I'll start with you first. Um, thoughts on on everything that happened from his arrival at Tatooine to the oh, Cantina and the Cobb Vanth. Yeah, so we talked about this on our preview episode about Cobb Vanth showing up in the season, and we did. Did we know if it was for sure or not? Or was no, it, just, it was never confirmed. It was heavily rumored, right? Oh, we knew yeah. Timothy Oliphant was going to be in the season, though. Yeah, yeah but yeah, it was never like officially who. confirmed that Cobb yeah. Vanth was going to appear. So the fact that they that's the Basically, alien name, by the way. Our, our they our, built a whole episode around a character that we were introduced to in the canon novels. Up to this point, they hadn't really doubled down on whether the books are canon, right? This, to me, is them at least telling us they're more canon than, than not canon because this character showing up and everything's consistent with what the novel uh showed us so i love this and i i mention this all the time like we it makes it opens the door for us to see other characters in and uh one day i want to see ransom casterfo in the tv show just please <laughs> please give me that but for do you guys agree that him showing up here makes that more a possibility somewhere in the star wars galaxy 100 yeah yeah 100 so that's what I'm saying. Like, this just shows me anything from the novels is on the table. Like, yeah. they can bring to movies or television, which I love. And honestly, you think a, a guy with a recognizable face is going to be a distraction, but he fit in so well in this town and and being the basically the sheriff of this little town. And, well, I, and I've heard I've heard people yeah. say that it's essentially the justified justified character. I was thinking I've never watched writing. Justified, but I. I was thinking that too. Also, I mean, Timothy Oliphant is the perfect cowboy to play this yeah. type of character. I saw someone made a meme on Twitter going, Til Timothy Oliphant, anytime he sees the role of a sheriff. And it was like. Yeah. <laughs> and how cool. I always think these actors, they must be like, oh my goodness, I'm in Star Wars. Like, just, 
I would be geeking out. So I, yeah, I really liked his character throughout the whole episode. Brian? Uh, this is honestly probably my favorite little section that we're going to talk about. Um, I I loved it from the beginning where, he, like, when he tells me he's on Tatooine, he's like, Tatooine? Like, <laughs> this place again? He's like, I gotta go back there. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's an, an homage or ode to us because we're thinking oh, it's yeah. the viewers. 100%. It's like, why is it always Tatooine? But like we that. saw a new part of Tatooine it, that it we've never totally seen on planet. screen. Like, it was a totally yeah. new planet. So yeah. that I'm okay with that. Yeah, it was like the fu- the opposite side of the planet or something we never seen. Uh, him landing in the hangar was loved that part. I was cracking up at uh, the little pit droids being able to work on the ship, and they got so excited. And then all of a sudden, that one's holding the tube, and he's like, ah! "I love that they include those because it's a prequel thing. I love that." Yeah. So. Of course, of course. Um, and then I literally, like, audibly was like, yay, when, when R5 showed up. Because, like, if you've read the, uh, the, a certain point of, from a certain point of view books, like, you know how big of a hero he is. And he's even got the, the, like, burn marks from where he blew out his, uh, motivator, um, so that, that part made gave me all the smiles to see that. Um, and then when the cantinist stuff started, I was just like, oh, my God, we're actually going there. We're doing this right now, right off the bat. Um, I mean, I, I knew it was coming because of the title of the episode. Once I saw it, I was like, Jake, I was like, OK, wow, we're really doing Cobb Vanth right off the bat. Um, but I, I watch this with the subtitles because sometimes it it gets a little muddled. So and mean. the subtitle said Cobb Vance. And then and I was like, all right, well, like there before we go. they showed him. Well, yeah, yeah. With, yeah the subtitles happened before they speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he walked in and it just said Cobb Vance. And five seconds later he starts talking. We're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then so I was just like, hmm, okay. And I don't think he shows his face until like he sits down. And it, and he but takes it, the helmet off, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole entire time, the subtitles going Cavant, da da da, Cavant, da da da, and I'm like, sitting there like, all right, subtitles, kind of an asshole, but I figured I figured it out way a long time ago. But um, do, this, correct me if I'm wrong. We obviously know this show is, has taken heavily from westerns. This was literally the quintessential Western episode I think we've had so far. Yeah, it, it was the most. It was the most Western we've had. It was also the most, um, and we'll get to this later. But it was also the most Native American cowboy we've had yet too. Uh, yeah. Obviously, with the Tuscan Raiders, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But yeah, it 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 dealt like Jacob had mentioned about doubling down on certain things. It doubled down on the Western side of this show, and it. Not just like the the way the dialogue was and kind of like the intensity with like the showdown between Cobb Vanth and Mando, but also like um, just just the way that it was also shot and and the way that it felt and and looked at certain moments. Um, it was a hundred percent a Western in Star Wars and kind of like the scum and villainy of the dark side of Star Wars. Not like the bad spot, but just like the the unknowing part of Star Wars. Like it it 
focuses in on that. And that's very much what Westerns do most of the time. Um, and I, I've been, I've been thinking this since the second I watched this episode, but that is all because of John Favreau. He has yet to direct an episode of this, of this show. He did the first one for a reason. And there's a reason why it works so well. And, and that plays into why it. it felt so cinematic as well. He made sure that crate dragon was well, and point. I don't, and we'll talk about this, but I don't know if you guys caught it, but did you guys catch the final sequence? It was shot in an IMAX camera. Yeah. I, I noticed that. It, How would you the, know the, the screen? screen the screen widens. Oh, okay. So yeah, so it's not it, the most of the show is oh, shot oh, in a white screen. Mean the not the last final shot. You're talking no, about like the the, 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 the dragon with the dragon. Yeah, the oh, dragon that makes it's sense. Not. So it's not hmm. just widescreen. It's the entire sixteen. If there wasn't a damn pandemic on. They should have premiered this in theater. This episode be amazing. in theaters, man. Be yeah, that would be incredible. I have a question, real quick. Do you guys? I was thinking about this. Why doesn't the Mandalorian just kill him and take the armor? What? Because I would assume that Mandalorian was going to win that that sh that throwdown, right? Like, I mean, I don't know how capable Cobb Vanth is. Is he? I mean, he showed very capable. He was able to take out those the miners or whatever. Uh, but why not just kill him and take the the armor? Why take on this whole? waste all this energy and take all this time to kill this crate dragon. What he doesn't have much to gain from it. I think he sees the townspeople. I, I think Din has become know. a little bit more softer. That's what I was wondering. Was. Is he, yeah. does he feel obligated to do the right thing? Maybe. I think more so think than so. ever. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think it's become a moral type thing a little bit with him. Like, I mean, he did the right thing with the child. This is yeah. the right. You could easily just kill him and walk away, but he's not that type of person at this point. Well, and 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 for, we've come to realize that this show, it's the at the core part of it. It's this show is going to be about Din figuring out what it means to be a Mandalorian. It's not where you're born. It's not who you're with. It's it's by what you do and how you hold yourself accountable. And he learned through the first season that, you know, he can be a bounty hunter and he can do all that stuff like cool, like Mandalorians are known as being bounty hunters. But to be a true Mandalorian, to be a true like your true self, you have to be able to um, do the right things at the right times. And. We, we learned that in, what was it, episode four, where we met Kara, right? With with the small town, um, the yes. small fishing town. Um, that was kind of like the the beginning of him like realizing, okay, it's more about what I do and how I hold myself compared to where I come from or or like, you know, who are around me. So and oh, it's yeah. kind of building I mean, I on that. That makes sense. It's kind of the Mandalorian way to do the honorable thing almost yeah and this yeah. is a much more simpler way of putting it character growth yeah because yeah. i don't think him in season one episode one takes on takes on this huge mission but i also feel like he likes a challenge as well i think I, so i think part of him is like okay let's kill damn crate dragon you know like to him he because that wasn't easy at all and i think part of him like he knows he's he knows he's the shit basically i think i think that he knows that and he's like yeah if anyone can kill a crate dragon i can and not by himself but he can help 
you know, build a plan to do it. So well, and, I was and just the, curious, like why, what his motivation was behind doing this. Basically. Well, and we, we can even harken back to episode two of last season where he killed the Mudhorn to, for, for his stuff back. Like there was a reason for that. Now mm. he's not really getting anything for this. Maybe he's obviously he's going to be getting Boba Fett's armor back, but yeah. at some point that shifts to being like, okay, it's not just about the armor anymore. Like it's, well, it's, it's go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. no. I, I, I think it also comes to play with, he didn't kill Boba Fett to steal the armor. He didn't, he literally just told the story that he had was dot or he, bought it off some Jawas and like, well, he told him that afterwards though. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. But he, he told him like, he asked him, how'd you get the uh, armor? Yeah. And I said, he said, I bought it off some Jawas. Oh, he does and say then, that. Yeah. And then he tells the story and then, but he also tells him like, I can't give you this armor. I need it to protect the town. Yeah. And he understands that because of that episode four. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of a bit of like, all right, dude, like, you didn't kill the guy to steal the armor yeah. so you could be a badass. Because I don't know how big it. of a violation that was to just be wearing the armor when you're not Mandalorian. Yeah, and, and yeah. To add on what Brian is saying, I think when he says that, where he says, like, oh, I bought it off Jawas and whatever, like, I'm doing it for the town, Mando goes from seeing it as him trying to disguise himself as a Mandalorian to him protecting well, he himself. he tells him right away that he's not a Mandalorian. That, and exactly. And he sees himself. He's he okay. in that time. So he's maybe he realized calm. this is an honest guy. Like, exactly. This is a good person just exactly. trying to do the right thing. So let's hear him out and see what we can do here. So I will say though, I, I absolutely love the moment where the camera panned down to Cobb putting his fingers on his gun. I was like, Oh, it's happening. It's yeah. happening right now. I, I wish they would have fought for like two minutes and then none of them could get the better of each other and then they talk, but oh well. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and shift gears because we move on to uh, a little journey that these two take um, as they're getting into chasing down this uh, this crate dragon um, and they're trying to find out how they can do this. And they So they get on their speeder bikes and they go out to uh, the Dune Sea along the sand and they run into some uh, Tuscan Raiders. I know that um, Chuck has been sending some stuff in here in the chat. We'll definitely get to that right now, Chuck, so hold on. Just for one second, but during their speeder uh, speeder journey, uh, we get this really interesting flashback of Cobb Vamp's story. Um, very very quick, but it was it was the exact amount of what we needed to know about him. If you don't know about him prior, um, and so we see the end of Return of the Jedi essentially from their perspective when the Death Star two gets blown up. Um, and I love that line where he goes, "The Death Star, the second one." Um, yeah, it's totally a Timothy Oliphant thing. Um, so we see the Death Star 2 blow up, and then we see how the, the miners essentially take over the town. Uh, also, uh, we see how he uh, steals, and I forget the name of the crystals, but I'm just going to call them the crystals right now, uh, in the tub that he ends up taking mm -hmm. from the miners. Uh, ends up in a Jawa sand crawler. Oh, funny, he's just like, let me just grab anything I can. It could have been a <laughs> jug of water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then so he ends up in a, in a sand crawler, and we see that really cool scene where he points to Boba Fett's armor. Uh, I will add that that's the one slight change that was from the interlude with Cobb Vance's story in the Aftermath novel. Um, in the novel, uh, it's a little bit of a longer exchange, and there's actually also someone else involved in that scene. Um, he actually kills someone to get that to that armor uh, in the story itself. Uh, that doesn't happen in the story, but again, very minor change. Uh, for the most of it, it is pretty much spot on from what we know of him in the story. Not enough to bitch and moan about that. That's so minor. Like I don't even care about that. Like yeah, like that's not even a, a major part of the story. 
Um, and then obviously all the stuff with the Tuscan Raiders. I definitely want to talk about the Tuscan Raiders because they they have been humanized a lot throughout this series. Um, Chuck went after we're going to exactly talk, talk about that after this. Don't worry. I, I, I'll be bringing that up. Don't worry. Um, but I want to talk about the Tuscan Raiders because they, they became true, real characters in this episode more so than ever. Um, and so, Jacob, I'll go to you first and all this stuff, man. The flashback, the Tuscan Raiders stuff. Uh, I mean, what, what are you thinking about all this stuff right now? Um, I, I liked it. I, I was surprised because you think, okay, we don't have a lot of time here. We got to hurry up and get to the point. But they take time to tell this story. And we've seen this before in other episodes where it's like, yeah, this is a, a TV episode. But we're going to take time to tell some backstory to make sure you know as much about this character as possible. We, we see a lot of like flashbacks and montages and things like that, which I really loved. Uh, I was surprised when it actually cut to this because he started talking and then it's like, oh, we're getting a flashback. And you, as like, we're just recently in the past couple of years getting used to the idea of flashbacks in Star Wars. So it was really cool to see. And yeah, I, I'm not sure if, because this episode was about, all right, getting this armor by killing this dragon, saving this area of Tatooine from this crate dragon. We talked about is, is every episode going to be a mini movie, like a mini story. And we'll see, maybe it picks right up where it left off. And we'll talk about that at the end. But I, um, as far as the Cobb Vance stuff, I thought it was really cool because I don't know why I just love seeing them, uh, you know, ride across Tatooine on speeders. I, like when they did that in in the last season, uh, I even just enjoyed that. And were they like hinting at like racing a little bit, like who who can go faster? Did you guys see that when they were like on their way back or something? They were like they were one was going faster and they were looking at each other, and then Mandalorian started speeding up. They were kind of just like you can definitely know. tell that they have a really nice friendship. Like they they caught on with each other very quickly. Yeah, yeah. there was a mutual sure. respect. Um, Brian, before we get to the to the Easter egg here, what are you what are you thinking about uh, all this Tuscan Raider stuff? I love it because, I mean they they have humanized what we thought were monsters. Like, I mean, yes, there are. I mean, there are bad to what uh, to what Kylie just said about the Anakin Mon- Anakin's mom thing. There there are horrible people like. It, it it kind of is like a metaphor in a way for like human nature. Like for the most part, we would, we'd like to think that they are just normal people doing well, their Din's, own. Din's speech when he's like, yes, they are raiders. They are, they do yeah. bad things, but they're not all terrible, you know? Exactly. And that's, that's it. It was kind of a metaphor. Like just because, they might have some bad eggs does not make them horrible people. And not to mention there's the part, the thing that really kind of stuck out to me too, was the part when they offered uh, Cobb Vance, the egg of water. And he goes, what is this? I'm not going to drink. This is disgusting. He goes, well, what do you expect when you steal, when you guys stole all their water? And so like, it's really showing you like the Tuscan Raiders are what they are in these rumors because no one's giving them 
a chance. They just look at them as savage, savage. And they show him drinking it later when Mm -hmm. they're all making the plan. He's all sipping on one. I was like, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. So it's uh, the Tuscan Raiders have become just so, so much more deep characters because of this show. Like you can't tell me that anyone outside of this series didn't immediately think like, Oh, those Tuscan Raiders, they do nothing but bad. They're always in the situations when something bad is happening. In fact, I watched episode one, they shot one of the pod racers and it exploded. And so like, it's that type of stuff, but it, this show has humanized them in a way that I I can't think of anything other than Star Wars that's done that. Like they they have a language. You just don't know it. And it it's I love the Tuscan Raiders story every single time we revisit them because I think it's a lot deeper than what uh, people are realizing. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's a mirror image of the Native Americans and the Cowboys. Like a long yeah. time ago in our country, where you know the Native Americans lost their land because we settled here, and that's just that's that's just how it went. That's how things how history went, and it's very similar to this. The, the Tuscan Raiders they lost their land to settlements and people moving in on their places, and they they lost land, they lost water, and they, they were looked at as savages because you know they didn't have the technology or the way that they did things. They did things a lot different. Um, and now this show has put them in the spotlight and we're able to see them, um, as characters and as a people rather than these, you know, for lack of a better word, we've been using it, but the savages that they claimed that people claim them to be. Um, and we, and we see it multiple times. Like that, you know, we have, they have, they carry these sticks around. Um, in one of the scenes, uh, one of the Raiders was using that stick to clean the Bantha's teeth. Like, like they're they're very different people from what they're portrayed as multiple times. Well, it's um, it's the way we were introduced to them, right? In, exactly. In a New Hope, exactly. and then in uh, an Attack of the Clones, it's just they're portrayed that way. But I love what they've done with them here. Agreed. Can I just say language too is just yeah, and I'm obsessed with the Banthas. They are the funniest looking things. Uh, they, how they have the big mouths and they just yeah so, like <laughs> apparently they're super yeah. expendable though and they're yeah. put out for slaughter that every was time so sad i was like so no bad. i was like i love these things i don't and know about you the, guys but the, it eats with, the guy instead yeah, that terrified me because <laughs> i loved oh, that like this reminded me of tremors i don't know if you guys have seen those movies but i was talking to someone earlier and they were like yeah, yeah it was just a tremors episode of star wars and i loved it's, it it's like the Godzilla tremor. Like it, this is, it's so terrifying. And I'm like, how is this, uh, you know, Sam person down there? This is no, I would not be the one volunteering to be down there. And um, he, like you immediately know who was, he was going to get eaten. Cause he's like running away. tripping. Too, yeah. And you're like, Oh, he's gone. And then the Banth is just like, <laughs> it's i love the banthas um okay so we have one big thing to talk about and i do want to get there before we talk about the final moment with the uh crate dragon and everything and that is this um yeah. cobb banth uh and and maybe a lot of people didn't recognize this uh but you know social media blew up as it usually does um if if you know star wars that is almost an identical looking pod racer uh part of anakin skywalker's pod racer from the phantom menace one of his engines um and it's a different color it has a little bit uh, of additions on there to make it obviously into a speeder 
Uh, but it's almost an identical version of his pod racer engine part. And also interesting thing here, uh, as I let me take this off real quick. Um, someone had put it in the chat that there was actually right here. Chuck said it. Uh, another one was in Amy Sedaris's garage, which mm -hmm. I did not see. Mm, um, I caught it in the background. Yeah. So I didn't see that. Uh, there you go. Sean said it in the back, which is interesting. Um, I mean, look, if no, it's just, I'm back. Oh, I'm back. Oh, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> um, if it's just hey, if it's just, uh, an Easter egg, what a badass looking Easter egg it is. Um, totally cool callback for, for years in the past, right? It's, this is well over 30 years into the past. Um, that this this pod racer was used, and obviously it would be sitting around uh, after Anakin left well, Tatooine. And the thing is, and, and I only know this because I literally watched Phantom Menace last night. There's he sells the pod racer. Yes, he goes, Mom, Mom, look how much money I sold the pod racer mm, for. So part. it could have uh, ended up anywhere. It, yeah. it, that literally well, could even be if it's it. not specifically his engine it's still a pod racer engine which is yeah built his speeder from different parts and added a pod racer engine so so that's really cool yeah we know it's not red so i mean but well he could have i don't know it, it could have been painted it, since then exactly. and then yeah so I mean, over two decades in the past, who knows what's going to happen to that thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the um, camera really made sure we got a good look at it. it and yeah. I was like, "Why is it like shoving it in our face?" And I was like, "And it's like, it kind of looks like a pot racer." <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's go and get to the uh, the final big battle here, the crate dragon. All the good stuff that happens here. They're trying to lure the uh, crate dragon outside of the cave to try to blow it up. Um, I got some pictures here of the crate dragon. Uh, this badass looking thing. Uh, super, super detailed, very, very cool looking and very large. Here's a picture of it next to uh, Cobb Vanth and Din. Uh, just making this look how big that thing looks and how, look how good it looks too, as far as visual effects it looks go. Amazing. Um, also mentioning that it doesn't spit fire, but it's it spits killing disintegration. Oh, happening, which I hated is terrifying. that. Oh, uh, uh, yes, that's, that's so terrifying. Terrifying. Uh, and it's yeah. intelligent, man. When it went, when it disappeared and then it came up from the top and started uh -huh. spraying them, I was uh -huh. like, oh my goodness. Yeah, a uh, very, very cool sequence, action-packed. Uh, we also got some really cool stuff between Din and, and Cobb as well. Uh, you know, here's some scene them look overlooking, and then one of these cool scenes where they're shooting at it together with the Mando's, Mando suits on. Super, super cool. Can you imagine uh, if they released this image before the season came out? If you just know, saw this, we right? would have lost our crap. Look, yeah. how, uh, look how good that looks. I will say, too, and we haven't touched on this, though. I love how beaten and battered uh Bubba Fett's armor is because um later in the episode we we know that Din essentially gets swallowed and then he comes out and blows up the blows up the crate dragon and the acid is essentially coming over him but it's not doing anything to him and so it's it's telling us that Beskar is pretty much immune to almost everything and um, he he, mu he must have known that yeah probably and but the disintegration from the Sarlacc pit and all the damage there didn't break the best car, but it heavily damaged it, which is why his Dude, looks like that. One of the lines that stood out to me was it's an abandoned Sarlacc pit. And there's like, there's no such thing as an abandoned Sarlacc pit. He said, it is if you eat the Sarlacc. It's like, yeah. So yeah, this crate dragon. Bubba Fett died <laughs> by the hand of the crate dragon. I think, I'm guessing. I think that might have a play of how he escaped somehow. Maybe that he, that, that crate dragon, Eight that Sarlacc was probably the same one. Yeah, they Star Wars said, "Hey, Dune, we're gonna just absolutely destroy what you you made before we start it." But um, yeah, the crate dragon was just 
Well, when it crate dragon is mentioned in Star Wars, when is it first mentioned, or is it just in the? So, like, no, it's, been, it's, it's been mentioned. It's been mentioned, but uh, when R two and three PO land on Tatooine in A New Hope, uh, there's actually a crate dragon skeleton in the background. Oh, okay. So it it, it has shown up physically before, but it's been mentioned a couple times. But so we've never seen a live one. No, no. And there, there, there actually, there's actually been crate dragons that are much smaller. This one was very large. Huge. Uh, I, yeah. I was like, how are they going to kill this thing? There's no way, but so they found a way. I wanted to ask you guys at one point what your what, what your favorite moments were from the episode. And I'm just going to get mine out of the way right now because I cannot tell you how amazing it was to see Cobb Vanth and Din fly around with the jetpacks and do damage oh. to this crate track. Well, like, remember what I said? Jetpacks, man. It's it it was, it was like the moment they realized that like they, they go, okay, this isn't working. Go time. Helmet on, guns on, jetpacks go in there just yeah, they're flying picking around. Womp rats. How many times was Womp Rat said in this episode? Like <laughs> so many times. Who but, cares? It's worth it every time. Yeah. I love that he's using Boba's radar thing and then oh. using the jetpack too. So the cool. Launcher. Yeah, it's <sighs> this episode was so good. Big <laughs> thing for me was when he said, "Take care of the child." Because yeah, well, he, he didn't know if off. he was going to die. He could have died in that uh, moment. I think he he knew. He well, was no, like, he wouldn't have said that if he knew a hundred percent he was going to survive. He wouldn't have said that because he. So basically, he. I think he was a little cocky there. He trusted this guy enough to be to be like, "Hey, if if I die here, you somebody has to look after that kid." And see, I take it a completely different way. I no, I, he said he he said. He knew he was going to try to trick him and get him out of the way so he can do this, right? But he has no reason to say, take care of the child, if he didn't think there was a possibility he was going to die. He has no reason to say that. I think he meant it as like, hey, I'm going to do something. Watch the child really quick. Well, the child was like all the way up there. I think he meant if he died, take care of the child. Either way, a really cool Easter egg came right after that moment. What was that? Where he smacked the jetpack and he went flying. Oh yeah, because that, that's that's the Han Solo move from Return of the Jedi, where Boba Fett ends up dying. Right, he smacks up against the sand barge because he hits the jetpack. That's a total callback. It's the same jetpack, so yeah. it obviously has a little malfunction going on. Um, but yeah, I I mean, you can take it either way. I don't think it matters at this point now because he's alive, obviously. Um, but I will say that this is a this is a cool little thing here about the crate dragon. Uh, uh, and this has been said multiple times. Uh, the beginning of New Hope, where Obi Wan comes hanging off, uh, coming over the cliff for Luke, he makes that weird sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's and he's imitating because sand people are scared of the crate dragons, um, and they've been fighting the crate dragons for years and decades and generations. And it's a cool little callback to a New Hope. That makes so much sense, and it makes that noise not as weird as it is <laughs> <laughs> when Obi Wan does it. It yeah, it just that whole scene and it was just so amazing from beginning to end. And I can't agree the fly them two flying up on top of the mountain and stuff like that. That uh, that picture is just like it, I'm so, kind of sad he's not keeping the armor and we don't get to see them work together again. With I know, armor, Loki, but, like I'm like shit. I wish Cobb Vance was sticking around. And f- for the record. My theory it ha- that we had the other week shot has been shot out of the air. That it's that they're going to be doing like the Clone Wars type thing where it's like 
three episode arc another one three episode that mm. and that's completely yeah different. yeah because yeah. like they did all of Cobb Vance the whole thing in one episode so I hope well, so. maybe not this season though so I have a bold theory about Cobb Vance um I think that there is a high possibility that because Din trusts him and he he went on a mission with him and he understands him and he sees what he's doing for a town and he saw him repping the Mandalorian armor. Uh, and that we now know that the Mandalorian uh, is is a creed. It's not a people, mm-hmm. but it's a creed. I I think there's a high chance possibility that Cobb Vanth actually becomes part of Clan Mudhorn. I was just thinking that right Ooh. now, too. Like. I never thought about that. Because the only way he he gets the armor back is if he, what are the what is it called when you become a Mandalorian when you? Uh, this is the way. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, but I can see that because you have to have all these. You have to be brave and show honor and be a warrior and all this stuff, right? He fits the bill. I think there's a, ha- a high possibility that he becomes part of Clan Mudhorn. Um, because it, it's it's something you accept to to become a part of, right? And it's not you're not like born into it. You can anybody can become a Mandalorian as long as you you do certain things. And as of right now, Cobb has checked most of those boxes for Din. Like they trust each other. Like they said at the end of the episode, they both said, "I hope our paths cross again." Yep. They both said it, and yes. so it means something that he's going to come back. And I could, I really do think it'd be really cool if he did become a Mandalorian. He got his own armor. And and he became part of Din's clan. If that happens, then that means he's gonna become a main character on the show, hypothetically. Because why can't he? I, I would you love Timothy Elephant. I would absolutely love that because their bromance was amazing. <laughs> Star Wars I, bromances. I'm in a way kind of sad that the Mudhorn is the signet and not the crate dragon. Now, <laughs> I'm, that would be dope signet to have giant crate dragon you kill the crate dragon you can have that as the signet that would be cool but the mud horn's so important to the child and no i know and uh, i was thinking that too i was like right when he was like their first time working together dude we forget how powerful the child is man he lifted up that mud horn he stopped fire from coming to i will say one thing about about the child in this episode i'm very happy that he took a back seat in this episode oh yeah me too he did, but he his presence was known because I kept thinking yeah. to myself, he's like talking. He's or, like a scared well, little child. Oh, yeah, of course. He still he still had these moments. Like <laughs> he still had these moments. But, I like when he hid in the pot. Yeah, it, yeah. And that's what that's that's oh, my yeah, when the, things the were, crate dragon things was were coming. Yeah. Things were happening and the camera would cut to him really quick to make sure he's okay, but then it would go back to the main story. And, yeah. and we did uh, they made sure that we knew that he was okay and he was still there. But everything was focused in on Din and Cobb the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just this whole episode was just brilliant. Yep. All right, so, nothing else to talk about. Yeah, all right. Oh There's yeah, a- that's that's gonna be the Fandalorian <laughs> Club today, everybody. Um, okay, so after this moment where Din and Cobb go their separate ways, it's a very quick ending here. Uh, we see Din on his speeder bike heading back to uh, to Moss Eisley to get to get back on the Razor Crest. Um, and then uh, we see the twin sons of Tatooine and this shadowy figure that I'm sure all of us, the second we saw it, lost our effing mind because when he turns around, it is none other than Tamura Morrison oh repping Bubba Fett. Look oh how badass and pissed off he looks uh, in this sequence. Uh, it leaves a lot of questions 
because it's been five years since the Sarlacc pick incident in Return of the Jedi. Um, and he's essentially just been roaming around Tatooine. Uh, clearly had no idea where his armor was, or maybe he just left it. Still, still to be determined on that one. But he does not look happy. And it's obviously setting something up. And I have a feeling that next episode is going to be kind of like a two-parter where that story is almost wrapped up and we figure out where Boba Fett is headed after this episode. But uh, thoughts on this reveal, everyone. Brian, I'll start with you. I would have paid money to be in the room of you, Jake, Sean Sullivan, and Alex Damon the second that his he shows up. Do I say do I say Bubba? I don't say yeah, Bubba. You, you've always said Bubba. that. I, no, I, you've always said Bubba. You've always said everyone Bubba. has a preference of saying I don't call him Bubba. <laughs> I've heard people you, say Bulba, like with an L, like Bulba <laughs> like a Pokemon. Um, <laughs> no, I would have given anything to see the reaction of certain people I know to that part because even I remember going like, oh, he's here!" Like it's like it's happening, and uh, dude, he looks pissed the f off. <laughs> like it, he looks perfect. Like uh, he shouldn't have like hair. He shouldn't just be like normal clone looking face. Like he's effed up. Look at that scar across his face. He doesn't even have eyebrows for God's sake. So, I mean, <laughs> like he, yeah, that pit must've been from the, the Sarlacc pit or something. I'm, I'm assuming. Um, but yeah, the, Oh God, like it's, it's here. It's happening. Holy moly. Although I will make one prediction. I don't think Bubba Fett's going to end up being bad at the end. I, he's going to start off being an asshole, but I, don't, I think he's going to end up. Oh, I agree with you. Brian. See, I, I saw a wild theory where some people are thinking that he may end up on Moff Gideon's side. I mean, that's... What, if, what if he's going for the Darksaber? I... I so honestly we don't could... know what his motivation is at this point. We're going to have to find out. I will say, I though, an uh, interesting point here. Um, he does have a rifle on his back. Uh, and we know shit. that Fennec Shand had a rifle uh, with her in episode five of last season. Could he be that shadowy figure that pulled her uh, pulled her body at the end of episode five on Tattoo? Well, 100%. Well, I know that the two possibilities are either Cobb Vanth or, or, Bob, or Boba Fett. Excuse yeah, me, Boba Fett. <laughs> um, the the only thing I will say is that uh, from what I from what I remember in Episode Five, that figure had a cape. Cobb Vanth doesn't have a cape. Um, and Bo and Boba. Oh, wait, you think Boba did. Cobb Vanth was the one that found her? Some people are. Some people well, think it, that might have been. It was Cobb a possibility. Um, uh, I think it was Boba Fett. But we know that the Spurs were there. Is the thing so? <laughs> I don't know what Dark Saber is. Do they have that at Disneyland yet? No, my sister's there right now, and I'm like, buy this, buy this, buy this. Uh, Dude, if they come out with the Dark Saber, oh man. Um, well, and if you notice, if in that picture, he's got one of the um, Tuscan Raiders, Raiders, his little spike thingy. So I just want to know where he the hell he got that giant ass gun so an interest i interesting point about boba fett i read an article and i uh i forget where it was from but they were saying in this galaxy right now all the characters that we've met other than the armorer doesn't know anything about the jedi 
and, and doesn't seem to know anything about the force or the lore or anything about that. Uh, Boba Fett does. Yeah. He was there during the clone wars battle during the clone Probably wars. His, his dad was killed by a, a Jedi. He saw that whole battle with all the Jedis. He knows of Luke. He knows of Vader. He knows all of this information. What if he's the one who informs Din about this stuff? Which I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was an in- interesting point because if he's going to end up talking to Din, that that's sense. where he can find more information about these enemy sorcerers he's looking. So for. I also heard a, an interesting theory that he is actually. Um, disguising himself as a Tuscan Raider. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. Oh, oh that he's uh, like yeah. he's undercover as a Tuscan Raider, possibly. That would be interesting. And that's I, why he has the, those equipment pieces. That could be interesting. You think he was there that whole time, like as maybe, one of them. Like maybe he's just maybe he's just kicking it. Like maybe what he's letting things he's die down. Leader of a Tuscan clan that we meet. Billy, I was thinking the exact same thing the whole entire episode. Is this the Harry Potter thing? No, SpongeBob. That uh-huh. giant pink worm that Oh yeah, I saw memes yeah. of that. But what do you guys think that that's possible that Boba Fett is the one to maybe get some information out about the Jedi? Because he's one of the only people, one of the only characters in this whole story. I would confirm I, that they're real. I would I would say yes. It all depends on how much he's involved. Yeah. But I would say that the characters that are coming are probably oh, pop- the ones yeah, to do that. That makes the, sense. The Rexes and the Ahsokas yeah. and the Bo-Katans. Those are the ones more likely to say something That's rather true. because at this moment, um now that he didn't knows that Cobb Vanth isn't a Mandalorian, he's still on the hunt for Mandalorians. And from the ones that we know. That's true. There's only a few left that he can run into that we know from from canon. Bogatan, Sabine. He doesn't know that Bo- uh, Boba Fett is alive. Um, <laughs> you hate saying this. Don't I'm, I'm going to say, say it. Just I'm going to say that every time. Boba Fett. Bo- Boba Fett. Boba. Um, and like so he's going to run into a character that tells him about the Force because he needs to learn about the Force. I have a feeling it'll be one of those three characters: uh, Rex, Ahsoka, or Bo Katan. That makes sense. That makes sense, but um, I do you up. think he's gonna talk to Boba Fett first though? And what if he's like just tells him like, "Hey, I'm on this. I need to bring this kid to the to some other Force users or some other magical wizards or whatever." Oh, I, Bulga Fett. Okay, is that I, is that is that Boba's wife, Bulga? Yeah, I. You know the one thing. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. I, the one thing that I did think of when that kind of sucks, but I'm I could be wrong. The second I saw Boba Fett, I went shit. All those rumors are probably true. With that, well, remember on our preview, I said Boba Fett was the one thing I don't want to see. I completely changed my mind after seeing him on screen. <laughs> I was so down for this, to be honest, because I, I love how. It's the actor who played Jango Fett. And obviously we know Boba Fett was a clone. So of course he would look exactly like him. I I love that they're sticking to that lore. And it's it, even though Boba Fett is a original trilogy character, him being a clone and looking just like his dad is a prequel thing. So it ties everything together. I love it. Yeah. It it was done perfectly the way they're there. 
What is this? I predict Django comes back to the dead, kills Mando, and then the show becomes Django hunting down still. I still want <laughs> Mace Windu with a still alive Boba Fett. <laughs> and he doesn't have his head. It's just that little stump that they showed. Sean, I'd watch the show on that. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm not so, gonna say <laughs> to wrap up the show. I do want to ask you guys because obviously this this episode isn't what we expected, um, and and there's things that happen this episode that we didn't expect to happen. Now that we only have seven episodes left, really only seven episodes, seven weeks left. Um, what is the? Like how we're talking about it ending <laughs> today. What is what is the one thing that came from this episode that you are most interested in, intrigued about? or looking forward to it can be characters a character a plot point a story thread just the one thing that may have piqued your interest the most from this episode that you're most interested in finding out um jacob i'll, I'll start with you hmm i have one if you want yeah oh, go, go ahead, ahead brian go ahead. i need some time to think um his quest to find the mandalorians or any type of mandalorian i mean boba fett's awesome i i cannot wait but like that is his mission right now. And I cannot, I'm like, yeah, find as many of these guys as you can find because I need to see a giant thing of uh, Mandalorians fighting. Like can you, imagine how excited we were when just Cobb Vanth and him are doing jetpacks. Like imagine a freaking fight with all this going on at some point against Moff Gideon. Like, I, oh, oh my God. Obviously, that's not all going to happen this season, but still, that's what I'm most excited about is the possibility of meeting these new Mandalorians and any anything like that. I second that. That's that. That was mine. Um, I think I'll, I'll just just to just to be different. I'll say, um, and it, it's 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 like a 50 50 shot. It's actually going to happen, but the whole Cobb Vanth possibly accepting the creed and becoming part of clan mudhorn oh damn that would i was be gonna something. say that <laughs> no really oh shit no that's okay i mean <laughs> nobody's choosing boba fett is there so that'll be mine yes it's so it's i it's, left that thinking he would take it yeah. i would i like, would we all switched like i would love to see it happen but again it's it's like a total just 50 50 shot it's more like a, a 25 75 oh, shot but whatever um, i'm all in on that dude i think Cobb Vanth might be my favorite new character introduced. Like, other than the child in Mando. Timothy Oliver, he's, my... too, he's too lovable. He might be my favorite new character introduced. Too lovable. Like, side uh, character. Jacob, what about you? So, I'll go with Boba Fett, because I, I I, mean, I know we're all looking forward to that. And there's a possibility that he leaves Tatooine, and we don't even see Boba Fett until, like, later on in the season. That's a possibility. Or we do Cause he never stays on the same planet. Like in this, like from episode to episode, he's always on the move. So I'm curious to see is Boba Fett, is Boba Fett payoff right away? Or do we have to wait? I really hope they don't not show him the whole season. And they just showed you that he's still alive and then, Oh, he'll be back season four. I hope they don't do that. I want to, I'm wondering where he fits in, in this season and how they're going to handle it. Do you think he's going to be in it most of the season? No. I think he's in it one more episode. There's going to be an episode focused around Boba Fett where it's him talking to Boba Fett um, and whatever Boba Fett's purpose is to be here, one episode is going to be focused around that. And I'll ask, I forget how where Brian's stance is on this, but Jake, you've always said you never want to see Boba Fett with the helmet off. How do you feel about seeing that? It's It's weird. 
Um, it's it's definitely weird, but we've talked about this multiple times on on multiple uh, of our shows because it seems like different Mando creeds have different regulations for the helmet. Because Sabine, right? She takes her helmet off all the time. Bo-Katan takes her helmet off. Din doesn't take his helmet off. And so I'm wondering where he lies in that um, or if, if he lies in that at all. Well, he doesn't uh, follow the Mandalorian way. So yeah. So, and, and look, I, I will always stand by the fact that I would have loved to have seen Bo- Boba Fett with, with his helmet <laughs> on the entire time, but um, like trying to catch himself from here on out every time uh, for the entire time. But uh, with the way the story is being told, I can do nothing but say it totally makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it too. Like I was never against it, but I always thought it would be weird. But the fact is, he doesn't have his armor, and we actually knew that if we were going off canon, at, off the novel. So it's not like he has his armor and he chooses to take the helmet off. He doesn't have it, so he has no choice. I think it, how it's done is is perfect. Like, yeah, I mean, I I could come back next week and be like. I was wrong. It worked out perfectly. They told the story perfectly, like depending on how the next episode goes. I mean, it's, it's the way they're doing it is so respectful of the character. Like there's a reason it's not, here's it's so funny because always, all we did was see his back and him turn around and we're talking this way. I know. Like, Can you imagine if it was like, this is <laughs> clone two, three Frank. Like it's just like some we'd be like oh some bitch like, <laughs> the running oh joke now the running joke now hey I was thinking wouldn't he be you know pissed at Han Solo at this point still <laughs> like, I mean he's probably always pissed at I would think that his I, main I think, goal I think would, the destruction of the Empire and the Galactic War being over at this point probably has changed he just doesn't care anymore I think. And here's this is what I was th- talking about referring to earlier. I think he's gonna just be like, you know what? I put that life behind me. I've found. I think so too. Peace in. I think so too. My life now. I, mean, I knocked him into the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know mean, they're never. They're not gonna get into that. They'll you know never. What? You be know like... what I think he's so most pissed about is a faulty jetpack. I think that's what he's most pissed about. Oh, so he threw the armor off. He's like, "F this armor." Yeah, like, yeah. He pr- yeah, he probably wants a new one. He's gonna try and go get a new a new jetpack because he's so pissed. He's been hunting five years for a new one. I'm just curious how the the thing I'm curious about is how the Jawas got it. Well, that was cold. They fished just it out of found it. No, I know. But I'm like, I'm wondering if like he took it off, escaped, and the Jawas found it in the dead Sarlacc, or maybe he got out to, and passed out and they stripped him of it like they do with everything else. I'm just curious how it like got. I don't know if that story is right. going to be told, unfortunately. Yeah, probably not. If not, it's not going to like kill me. Interesting no. comment here. He did get hit in the back. He did get hit in the back. That's true. He is back. Oh, that's true. It. it was so random. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he screamed like a little girl when it happened to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, any final thoughts on uh, on the Marshall uh, Chapter Nine, Episode One of Season Two? Yeah, um, I now need to wake up as soon as possible because there. I don't know how anyone can avoid. Just don't look at your phone. I I did not look at my phone. Okay. I that. Being up at okay. four a.m. really helped. I didn't see anything. I Jacob. I'm saying though, like, if you're gonna be like, oh, I'll just watch it 
after work. There's no way it's not gonna. It, you need to watch it as soon as possible. Brian, I don't think I, I don't think staying up at midnight is a good thing because the app, the the Disney app, actually crashed last night. And I heard on their phone. I did it. I, on their phones. So. I'm just gonna wake up an hour before work to yeah. watch it every day. But yeah, uh, Mando's back. It's as good, if not better, than when we left it off. And give me more, <laughs> Jacob. I, again, I'll I'll say it again. I just can't believe how amazing the dragon looked, and how how much of like it just really felt like a movie. Like that dragon looked ten times better than the stupid monsters in the Force Awakens. The it, what is the what were those creatures called? Oh, the Rathars. Yeah, it looked like. 50 times better than the Rathars. And that's a movie. And it, Can you imagine this is a, being the volume and seeing that thing? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I love the scope and just how much, how big they're going with this. I love it. Yeah, same. I'll echo everything that these gentlemen said. Uh, incredible start to the season. Incredible start. Uh, uh, it's the, they set the bar really high, and I can't wait to see them out do it because I know they will. Uh, some really cool episodes coming from a lot of cool directors, which is awesome. Uh, Favreau did the first one, and now he hands it over to a slew of directors, including Bryce Dallas Howard, Peyton Reed, Robert Rodriguez, Dave Filoni, Rick Famuyiwa, and a number of others. I'm curious um, to see Peyton Reed's episode. That's going to uh-huh. be interesting. That yeah. Was, uh, like, hmm. I can't wait for the episode where James Mangold does all the action. That's the episode I'm waiting for. Um, Jacob, I don't know if you knew this, but he didn't direct, but he actually coordinated one of the episodes' action. Really? Yeah. And I think it might be the Robert wow. Rodriguez episode. I think they might have collaborated together. Man, that I can't wait for that. <laughs> um, all right, well, uh, just as Mando is back, so is the Fandalorian Club. To everyone watching, um, did they set the bar too high, Sean? I mean, time will tell. Time will definitely tell. Um, yes, yeah, so the Fandalorian Club is back, and thank you to everyone who's been hanging out with us past hour talking Mandalorian. We're here every Friday, guys. Every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific here on the channel. This is where the three of us will be talking Mando. Um, and uh, we would love you guys for to be here, comment along as we uh, discuss these episodes that they happen. Uh, so make sure you're subscribing here on the channel to Apocalypse Movies and and enjoying not just the Fan Learning Club but all of our other shows. For tonight, um, uh, we actually have our main show, Apocalypse Now, is going live at 6 p.m. here in about 45 minutes for a Batman v Superman watch along. Uh, a little earlier than normal because the we're doing the ultimate cut and it's uh, three hours long and we're going to be miserable with Geo as he's blurting this movie out for three plus hours but it'll be a good time gonna explain every scene in detail have fun it's guys it's really gonna be like it sounds horrible but like when blind people go to the theater and it just visually or well it's gonna be like he like the director's cut like uh with the director talking about the movie I'm the just, whole time i'm gonna mute my mic the entire time because geo's just gonna be talking the entire time so i, um, I ordered a pizza for this just so i could yeah, if you're interested in a, in a watch along, we're watching Batman v Superman here at 6 p.m. Pacific here in about 45 minutes. So, uh, yes, Sean, strap in for that one. <laughs> uh, but again, uh, thank you to everyone for watching, hanging out with us. That is Granny Ab- That is the Grand Admiral Sino. That is Obi Wan Jacoby. I am Qui Gon Jake, and we are the Fandalorian Club for Apocalypse Movies. Again, thank you to everyone for watching, and we will see you guys next week. May the force be with you. <laughs>